This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and I've got Rob Brayman from Cogent Analytics on the line. Hey, Rob, how are you? Michael, how are you? I am Good to be great. on your show today. I'm great. Thank you for being on the show. So you founded Cogent Analytics. You've been a business analyst, and you've engaged with over 1,700 businesses across the U.S. Um, what do you do in your spare time? Um, I always I always tell people I get sick in my spare time. That's how I recharge my batteries. But I, I say that is more of a passing joke. Um, I spent a lot of time in youth sports. I spend a lot of time in my community. I spend a lot of time doing continuing education with other people who um, they may be having different struggles or different moments that that they're having challenges with. So they reach out to me, and I'm uh, I'm always good for for a perspective. You know, I, I don't know whether it's good counsel, but it definitely is shared perspective. Well, I would think that, you know, with the exposure to that many organizations in a short period of time, that would give you some insights that is very unique compared to what other people, even, you know, the, the strongest, you know, business analysts that are working for those high-priced consulting firms would not have access uh, to the lessons learned that you have picked up over you know those you know ten or eleven years. So what are what are some things that surprised you you know as you were navigating through all of that? I'm I'm guessing that you maybe you weren't surprised on how similar organizations are, even though many of them say they're not. So the reason why we started Cogent Analytics, and I was an analyst for eleven. Um, Cogent Analytics is coming up on its five year anniversary on April twenty second. Um, so when when you think about the high priced consultancies, you know we have a unique opportunity because we're working on Main Street instead of Wall Street. You know our average client can be the mom and pop startup, five hundred thousand dollar a year company, on up to a very large privately held organization of you know between two and five hundred million. So when I say that we're unique, I, I want to talk a little bit about my perspective towards life. Our typical discovery is anywhere between two and five days. Um, on a very, very large organization, I will use two or three human resources to be able to do that discovery. There have been a couple of occasions in very large companies that it, the discovery could be two weeks, but by and large, it's between two and five days, depending on the nature or scope of the company. And you know, when you when you spend a life um, looking at at privately held companies, the entrepreneurs of the world who put it all on the line every time they go to work every day, you know, and then you could be talking about two brothers, a father and a son, a husband and a wife. Um, you know, the, the thing that impassions me about the small business owners is that they are truly vested in where they want to go, their love, their passion, their dreams, their wants, you know, their aspirations in life. But it's also tied to a commitment to their employees. It's a commitment to their marketplace. It's a commitment to their vendors and their customers. Um, you know, there's something about that small business behavior that I've learned over the last 16 years of my life that um, I could have chosen to do many things. I have been a serial entrepreneur, as you well know. Um, 
that period of being an analyst in my life was really working in service of others. And, you know, there's no greater education than when you get a chance to, and I always call it peeling the onion, Michael, when you go into a business and you're doing a discovery with a client, um, you're really doing a deep dive, a holistic review of business operations from, from their business development strategy, their marketing strategy, organizational engineering, process engineering, KPIs, or measurement. You know, that, that really is how you engineer profit in a business. And for entrepreneurs, sometimes, um, and I hope your audience appreciates the way I say, sometimes you get lost in the forest for the trees. So, you know, they go to work every day with the greatest aspirations in the world, but most often they are underperforming in some segment or element of the business, which um, good, bad, or indifferent, that costs the American entrepreneur every day. Yeah, and it creates opportunities where, you know, we see all a lot of, you know, startups fail. And I've often thought that a big component of that is, they're spending their time spinning their wheels on things that they really shouldn't be spinning on. And if they would focus on the areas where, and also, you know, return to the reason why they launched the business in the first place. That's the passion. Yeah. The success would come easier. And uh, I, I see it a lot with, with small businesses where they, they forget, you know, that they should be focusing on, very few things to do. They want to be a Walmart and have pretty much everything, and, and that's not going to help them. Um, they need to figure out, okay, what's your strong suit? What's your strength? What what can you offer this marketplace that is either a better or different than the competition? And you, you have gifts. Use them um, and, and leverage your business that way. But oftentimes, you, you, you hit it right on the head. You know, they get lost in the forest of running a business and you know, they forget where they're at. Remember that most small business owners don't start a business because they're great at business. They start a business because they're great at a trade, a skill, a craft, a passion. Um, and, they, and they working, you know, the way that story most often goes is they were working for somebody else for some period of time. Then they saw all of the things that that particular owner was doing that, you know, sometimes it rubs them the wrong way. Sometimes it's, a, it's an ethical issue. Sometimes it's just, I believe, you know, this being the person who decides to open their business, I believe that the way they're doing can be done better. And they're passionate about that. And they decide that they're going to open their business. They hang their shingle and then they go back to doing the trade that made them great and not managing the business of the business, not managing the things that makes a business successful. And, and you know, I could start this dialogue with strategic planning. You know, if you think about the small person who goes into business, you know, eight out of 10 businesses fail in the first five years. Of the remaining two left standing, one of those two will fail by year 10. And it always ties to business behavior, not trade behavior. It's business behavior that, um, you know, I, I try to teach clients that there's a science behind the business of the business. As good as they are at their trade, minute they sign the dotted line with the bank or if they're self-funded, they put in their 401k, they did something to get this business off the ground, usually in the form of personal investment, that managing that business to an engineered profit, managing that business so that you get the right people in the right chairs, 
developing process that helps that business be profitable, and more importantly, creating the measurements for both people process. That is what most often is what we see as a firm working with small business owners where the gaps lie. And that's, um, you know, that if I have nothing else to say to a small business owner, the conversation usually starts with the science of business. You know, we're really passionate about the business itself. We're passionate about the families, the relationships, and how American business owners can become successful. Um, at the very least, how they're at least performing to that, to what they are entitled to perform at. You know, my fear is when I walk in the door to a, a $5 million company making 1% or 2% profit far below, far below market standard, far below industry standard, far below their competitors who are able to, to do the same like type work. And, and when we uncover that rock or we peel that onion, what we will almost always invariably see is that we still wear too many hats. We still are not managing the things that make profit occur. And we're not as vigilant or diligent on the business of the business as, as we should and could be. So very long answer to a short statement, but hopefully that's helpful, Mike. No, it's, it's spot on. And I think you nailed it right on the head, you know, with eight out of 10 failing, and then that ninth one will ultimately fail. So you have one out of 10 that are going to survive. And you say, you know, working, you know, the science of business and working on the business how is a society can we change that number from one out of ten to a higher number because small business is what's going to make america continue to be prosperous and grow we cannot depend on you know i'm originally from the detroit area we cannot depend on the auto sector to be the great provider for us no, or sure. any other industry um it's too diverse um the skill sets are, are too different. Um, the needs and desires of society have changed. So what do we do as a society to encourage and create the environment where more than one out of 10 can actually survive and then ultimately thrive as an organization? Well, I think that goes to the mindset of the entrepreneur, because if you think about it, there are a lot of resources currently dedicated to the small business community. You know, you have the SBA, you have SCORE, you have firms like Cogent Analytics, um, although I think we are very much directed towards the small business mindset where um, there are a number of firms out there that are probably do not share the same commitment that we do. There are a variety of different resources that the small business owner can tap into at inception from how to build a budget to how to cash flow your business um, the funny thing about the entrepreneurial behavior is because they are driven about or by that thing that they love, um, they'll get a little bit of help and then most often will work really, really hard on their skill or tradecraft. And, and if you think about the first year, second year in business, third year in business, fifth year in business, um, they begin to learn, right? If they make it past that stage where they have gainful revenue coming in and they've got you know, more than five or six people, they actually become a going concern somewhere around a million and a half dollars and 10 to 15 employees. That's where you begin to see stability in that small business. 
Um, that's not to take away from any of your audience who are still working very diligently to get to that point. Um, the struggle is such that the entrepreneur is very passionate about their vision, they're passionate about their dream, and they're passionate about building that, that widget better than what they saw before. The, the, the problem or challenge sometimes is them recognizing when, now I equate it to going to the doctor, right? If you've got, you know, it's different when you get a chest cold or when you actually have bronchitis. You know, the chest cold you know, maybe you, you take some over-the-counter medicine when you've got bronchitis, you go to the doctor. And I don't think knowing how many resources are available to the small business owner, I don't think as many businesses would fail if the entrepreneurial community worked really vigorously towards getting those assistance. There's a certain amount of, of humility that goes along with opening your breastplate, so to speak, and sharing your challenges with somebody else. And then the next challenge is, how do you know who to trust? Um, which goes for a much longer discussion. I'm sure you're, you'll ask me about that trust factor later in our discussion. But that's likely the one great impingement that the entrepreneur goes through, which is first, their own psychology and their pride about opening their business. And then secondarily, and I think equally as important, is how do I find that advisor? How do I find that person that will help me? How do I know I can trust that they're giving me good counsel? You know, all great tips, and and one of the things that jumps out, uh, and you alluded to it, you know, on, on you know, pride, and then you know, we will definitely talk about trust in a second. But one of the things that entrepreneurs need to come to grips with is they need to be comfortable of what they don't know, and seek guidance for it, uh, because they often think, well, I'm the business owner; it's on me to know it. And it's it's you to know where to find it and find it the, the the right advice that is applicable to your organization. Yes, we can go on Google and how to do this. Okay, great. That's that's level one thinking. Everybody can do that. That's not going to scale your business. You know, you need to know. Okay, all the nuances of what you are making, whatever product or service you have, and whatever thing or things you're struggling with figuring out a way to find the right advisors that can help you and guide you to take the right steps. I'm not a big fan of shortcuts. I'm a big fan of taking the right steps. Because shortcuts, yeah. short steps, or shorts, you know, those types of things, you end up having to go back and, and fix them. You know, instead of taking the right steps, you don't have to go back. I mean, yes, you can glance and see, you know, where you're at if there's anything you need to improve. It's Eva, dropping off soon. Yeah, so you, you have a situation where you have you know, those shortcuts kick in and then you realize, oh, crap, I didn't do this or this or this. And then you're scrambling and spending time trying to fix it instead of if you were doing the right steps all along, the likelihood of you having to go back and fixing something major is dramatically reduced. You know, I've done, I've advised small businesses for the better part of two decades. Um, and it's interesting, I've, I've, I've struggled with this answer, and I think I've evolved over the period of the 16 or 17 years I've been in representation of others. Um, you know, the same behavior that inspired somebody to raise their hand and say, I want to be a small business owner is most likely the same behavior that, that precludes them from reaching out for that help. And, and I'll tell you what I mean here. That, 
that that entrepreneurial behavior that that very you know smart dedicated driven person who wants to own his own company the guy that puts or gal that puts their their chips in the middle and say i want to open up my business um is by nature a do-it-yourselfer mentality they they believe they can so they do interestingly enough when it comes to searching out good business advice there is a, a funny connection between i can do it myself and their lack of seeking out that that advisor most people will hire an accountant and accountants are great i think they're wonderful heck i've got one but my accountant is never the person who should be giving me operational business advice you know it is the one person an entrepreneur knows they have to have because they have to file taxes most accountants are compliance based unless you have an uh, somebody to assist you on operations where business really gets done business gets done every day from the moment you turn the key to how you manage your people to how you manage your operations to how you generate a predetermined net profit an engineered profit in a business that is the the piece where most small business owners struggle and that's also why they wear all the hats because they know that if they do it, if they control it, at least they can repeat their success that they had before. Where when your business gets to a size, it is critically important that you have somebody, for lack of better words, that has the wisdom about your business, about what you're facing, but it really is business-centric as opposed to operational. And I'll give you an example of being a plumber or being a contractor or being a technology firm a transportation company, when you go into that business is because you have experience in that business, not because once again, you know the business of the business. That's that critical moment when you get into that 1 million plus range and you're starting to get good market share, good customers, and you begin to feel the pain of that growth. That's the occasion where an operational person is most valuable because if you don't go into business with that, with that background, there's a lot of hard knocks along the way uh, and usually hard knocks that always cost personal, you know, it's personal investment. Um, that's most often where companies go out of business because they were either undercapitalized or something most egregious happened to them during that early startup period, whether it was a, a good decision with best intentions or a bad decision with best intentions. Almost always the entrepreneur feels that, that uh, immediate hit from, from their decision-making practice. And obviously, the better the company is, the more well-defined the company is, the more the mission is defined, the more those controls are in place. Hard times are going to come regardless. If you start a company, you're going to have challenges through the evolution of that company, and it's different year over year. But it's recognizing those weaknesses early enough and seeking out to strengthen those weaknesses and being honest about strengthening those weaknesses is where I think we could improve that percentage of everybody knows the eight out of 10 businesses fail. Very few people know that one out of the remaining two are part of that failure group. But the key is you asked me an important question, Rob, how do we get it? So maybe the number is eight out of 10 businesses succeed. It really goes to the business behavior of recognizing what those impingements and engaging with somebody, not your accountant, not that I dislike accountant, I think they're fantastic, as I said before, but an operational professional who can actually come in and, and give you guidance, give you insight, give you input that, that help you build a profitable company. Again, sorry for the very long answer. 
No, that's that's absolutely perfect. And yeah, you you, you bring in the ops guy or gal, and they can make the biggest difference in your organization and be the difference of, of if you happen to make it to those last two, are you one of the two that continues to go? And you can't hire the fix, by the way, as odd as this may seem, if you're a business owner, you know, I've, I've had a number of clients do this. Well, if I just hire a general manager, well, the funny part about it is the skills of that general manager came from another company that did it different then your vision, one of two things are going to occur. Either you're going to hire a person who's going to come in and run the company like they used to run the company and not your way, or you'll get them to conform and they will become your employee. And as you can imagine, Michael, then the general manager just does the same dysfunctions that you might do. So I, I've seen that over and over again. Usually what happens if you've got a really solid team and you bring somebody in to engage with your organization. I love the do-it-yourself nature of entrepreneurs. It, it is the thing that makes them great. It's that stick to and that strength and that power. You said it earlier, there's no easy fix to running a profitable business. It, it can't be hired past because that person just becomes part of the team instead of somebody advising the team. And you can imagine there's a different dynamic with that. Oh, incredibly dynamically different. And what happens to, and you hit it right on the head where, and I've seen this happen, I'm sure you have too, where someone will bring in a say, I'm going to bring in somebody and they more or less bring in a clone of themselves, which is not what they need. You, you, you need a yin and a yang. And if you have two yings, uh, it just, it's not going to work. And you're going to, it just, it, it won't, it won't be, and it doesn't mean you can't have like-minded people, but oh, it, that's great. Yeah, yeah it, it helps with culture and all of that. But you need you need strengths that you don't have, and also too, as the business starts growing and you start feeling those growing pains, as the entrepreneur, eventually you're going to want to stop taking out the trash. You're going to stop, you know, cleaning the kitchen. You're going to stop wanting to do all of those things that you had to do initially. And, and hire people or outsource that to have somebody else do it so you can focus on you know, working on your business and growing your business. Now you're getting a, into a process-driven discussion as opposed to um, one owner wearing a lot of hats. Uh, exactly. So smaller the company, more challenges with that. The, the larger you get, what we typically see is, is, is really a couple of breakpoints. Um, we see the startup company that figures out how to get to that million, million and a half, you know, 10 employees, give or take. Um, the next break point is really from a million and a half to 3 million, um, because this is the point at which we begin to hire people. And then it gets into organizational engineering, who's responsible for what, who is functionally being measured to do a thing. And, you know, I hope you appreciate the opacity in that. Um, because that's what we do. We hire people because we can't touch or hit all the wickets anymore. Um, usually what happens in that, you know, million and a half to 3 million range, people are figuring out the type of person they need. They don't, they, you know, friend refers them to needing a particular type of person. So they hire for that person. Most often they will fail at it the first couple times that they try hiring that first round of people. Um, you know, they're, their, their program or processes are not well-defined. 
the measurement of those processes are sporadic at best. Hence, they got bigger, but they actually got bigger and made less money for the privilege. Uh, the next break point is really that three to five million dollar range and the three to five million they've probably felt some pain along the way they've figured out what doesn't work more often than they've figured out what does work and i, I don't mean to convict everybody i've just been doing my line of profession for a very long time with some amazing amazing people but at that three to five million dollar range you know they've made some mistakes and they've been able to cobble together a really good team of people that they like but their business consistently has dysfunctions which, which create the lethargy and profit. You know, profit engineering is driven around, you know, basic principle that we post called a, a profit platform. Um, this is something that we de I developed many moons ago, but it really is strategic planning and then the four pillars of business which help you assist, help you to assist in engineering profitability. That is business development in all its aspects. You have to make work first, right? You have to make the sale before you can perform the work in the sale. Then you get into organizational engineering, which is all about people and roles, responsibilities, hiring, firing, evaluating, measuring. How do you get human resources to follow a mission? The next is process. So how do you make your people most effective in the process that you have in your company? because that's where inefficiencies are born, is in people and process. And then lastly, the pillar is KPIs or measurement controls. And that can, those measurement controls can either be financial in nature or can be operational in nature. Either way, those control systems are meant to define those roles and responsibilities in both people and process. And in a very well-run company, what you'll see is performance-based compensation being a derivative of those measurements. So strategic planning, business development, organizational engineering, process engineering, and control systems, any one of those things that are deficient are going to cost in the form of profitability. And as you well know, Michael, a company, um, the first dollar given away by any small business is always profit to the point in which it's breaking even. And once it breaks even, then you start giving away money that is a loss. Um, I always believe that small business owners are entitled to make a good living for as hard as they work and as much risk as they take. The number one effort is how do you engineer profit? This is your wealth creation vehicle. The value of equity is your retirement fund. The value of profitability is how you take care of your people, how you tie the church, how you pay for colleges for your kids. You can imagine that when a business owner starts his business, they don't think about either working for free or working as hard as they do 60, 70, 80 hours a week to make, to make a lethargic profit at best. And that's usually the story you see out there as companies underperform, whether it be one, three, five percentage points in profitability, sometimes it's worse than that. But when you've got a company that's, that's giving away one, three, 5%, and I'm just going to put this in relative terms, if I own a $3 million company, every one percentage point of profit costs $30,000. Well, $30,000 is a college education for your kids. It's your retirement fund over 20 years that would allow you to retirement with a substantial gain. It would allow you to take care of your parents if they were aging, your family if they're good, benefits to the employees, tithing to your church. All of those things have impact for an entrepreneur. Absolute leadership gold here, sir.
I, I have enjoyed our conversation today. I've got pages and pages of notes, which I will put into the show notes for, for everybody to see and all of that. But Rob, where can people find out more about you and, and the awesome work that you're doing? So Cogent Analytics is www.cogentanalytics.com. Um, we have been doing a program. We've done a number of podcasts, so you can look all of our content. We've done white papers, podcasts, case studies, blog articles. We are very much not about come to do business with Cogent Analytics, but to be thought leaders and, and to inspire people. If you like what we're doing, like what we're saying, like what we're what we're working on with our clients, then please reach out www.coachinganalytics.com. Um, as a firm, we are inspired by the American small business center, the entrepreneur, that people that fight every single day to run a small business in our country. That's why we exist. That's why we're here every day. And I would only ask either reach out to at info at coachinganalytics.com and we will be more than happy to do a discovery with any one of your listeners at a much depleted rate. Um, we will do a full two to three day discovery boots on the ground with them for $1,200. Anybody that contacts us through your podcast, Michael, and that's something that we've been doing with our podcast audience. So if that's helpful, please reach out more than happy to help. That is awesome. And audience, I'll have that information in the show notes. Rob, great talking with you today. Appreciate you and all the awesome work you're doing and, and how you are empowering small business in America to to thrive and, and get that number up from one out of 10 to a much higher number. So thank you so much for being on the show. Truly an honor, Michael. And uh, I, I definitely enjoy, I've committed my life to service to the small business community. So um, thank you very, very much for having me on today. And I, I look forward to having the, the pleasure of doing it again in the future. Sounds good. And until next time, everybody be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.